0: The last word on sport on Today FM. With
1: Carlsberg, official beer partner
0: of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.
2: It's time now for the last word on sport and we have a packed programme today because we're going to be later previewing the Women's World Cup final, the Irish rugby warm-up game against England tomorrow and the World Athletics Championships. But let's start with Premier League action with Mark Lawrence and Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer of The Independent. And Mark, I think possibly the outstanding looking game of the weekend is tomorrow evening, Manchester City against Newcastle United because we might just see, might we, how good Newcastle are.
1: Yeah, um, and I think from, I mean, obviously a very good result, although it, it, in terms of Aston Villa that they, they uh, capitulated, sorry, Matt. And I think, you know, Manchester City are obviously there to be beaten by everybody if possible. And I think at the moment, though, without De Bruyne, De Bruyne is now going to be out for probably three or four months. They just do not, you know, I rave about him all the time. They just do not have a player like him in their squad. So for Newcastle who go down to Manchester, lots of confidence, strengthen the team, etc. Got lots of options as well up front. It'll be interesting to see what happens. My only, my only worry, Matt, about Newcastle will be uh, playing, obviously, Champions League football, Premier League football. Have they got enough to sustain any kind of challenge in both?
2: But, but, well, how well have they done in adding Tonali and Harvey Barnes? Yeah, uh, they're two
0: very clever signings, which I suppose also goes against some of them. You know, Tenali was a very expensive signing. It shouldn't be overruled. I mean, for all the uh, fair talk that Newcastle are doing things uh, quite strategically, which they are, and obviously are, are have financial fair play considerations, they're still able to spend a fair bit and have done over the past year after that hugely controversial takeover. And that is still the major reason why they are where they are. But within that, there has been good coaching Clever signings. Uh, They're putting together a good squad of players who maybe aren't in their prime right now, but can be molded and developed. That's something that Howe has done. And uh, yeah, it can't be denied that, I mean, their performance last weekend was undeniably the display in the weekend. Quite intimidating, really, especially given how uh, people have been talking about Aston Villa as maybe a potential equal. To Newcastle in terms of that kind of upwardly mobile side, who can maybe go on to do better things, break that uh, the old hegemony. Uh, but maybe it's a bigger illustration that you've got pretty to, to go that high. You need state takeovers, and of course, that's. I mean, this, this could be a bit of a symbolic fixture in that sense as well. If Newcastle can take the game city in that sense, given the ownership of both clubs. Uh, but yeah, as Mark said, there. City are the team everyone's looking at there to be beaten, but maybe with a bit of a vulnerability, sorry, vulnerability about them at the moment with injuries, maybe adapting to a new season, that kind of maybe natural drop off that can happen, um, after with doing something like a treble. But then again, I mean, in some ways it was most dispiriting start to the new season in terms of the, uh, the predictability of it all, which is four minutes in, Harlem scores, city win. <laughs>
2: against Burnley. But against Sevilla the other night, uh, Mark, I I, I found myself watching it unexpectedly and Sevilla certainly had more than enough chances to have been out of sight before City came back in the second half, got the equaliser and won in penalties. So would you expect Newcastle to be more ruthless if they get chances? And it's not just the absence of De Bruyne replacing Gundogan, Silva out ill, John Stone's not there the other day, coming back from the heat of Athens. Might there never be a better opportunity for Newcastle to go to Manchester City and maybe even win.
1: Absolutely. But then you were going to say, how do do we think Newcastle will will set up? Uh, You're asking me, do you you think they will will go for Man City? I don't think necessarily that they will. I, I think Generally, Eddie Howe is very much kind of, look, you know, we we, we don't concede goals. We get that end of the pitch right. When you think, you know, Miguel talking about the players they've got, etc. I mean, Trippier, who was the first signing, was probably as good as anybody because of what he represented at the time come from Athletic Conference. So the, th- the, thing, the thing with Newcastle is, I think they'll be like, have a little look at City, try obviously not to concede the first goal, most important, and slowly as the game goes on and then you can make a substitution, etc actually go for them but the, the thing about city and yes yes you know Gundawan going all these other all of the other players going etc There's still there is still quite a long time left in terms of bringing players in and if you know Manchester City knock at your door and you're a footballer you will want to go and sign for them so if he sees this, thinks the manager Pep really thinks that they're not strong enough well go out and buy a couple of players world- class players as well.
2: OK, let's talk about the other Manchester because McGraw has there been a luckier start to a season for Manchester United than the one they enjoyed against Wolves the other night when again Wolves Sevilla style didn't take their chances to score many goals perhaps and then had what was a blatant penalty denied to them in out of time?
0: Well, this is it. Maybe not just the circumstances, but the opposition the sense that, well, I think Wolves, I mean, everyone's been tipping them to go down because of what's happened with junior manager and also with the makeup of the squad. Uh, they're much better, I think, than anyone expected under Gary O'Neill, who, of course, very creditably kept uh, Bournemouth last season. But they still lack forward power, which came across in that game. And really, if you're thinking maybe if they i mean, if they had even the Jimenez of a few years ago say that that's a very different game. And United, I mean, for, I think throughout this summer, uh, Ten Hag has made very pointed sort of tactical signings. Not major signings yet in the way you might have anticipated or the the way you would have wanted. And I, I suppose there's still an element of uh, intrigue about why they didn't go for Harry Kane. But players like Mason Mount, there was a fill feeling obvious tactical hole in the squad. And yet for all that, the uh, the first game was a bit of a wake-up call because they just didn't look that coherent. Uh, they were there to be exploited, and it did point to how Ten Hag still has a lot of work to do. I mean, OK, it could have been just the first game of the season. Maybe it's a little bit more of a concern because of the way last season ended. I mean, under Ten Hag now, it feels like we've really only had one. Now, it was a fairly extended period in the middle of last season. But just that, that one stretch where they looked like something close to what he wants. And at the moment, they don't look like that. And that's against Tottenham, who, I mean, right, Postecoglou has come into quite a challenging situation himself, especially with Kane going. Well, I mean, we, a lot of us would have seen him at Celtic or watched the watching Celtic against Real Madrid last season. And they do try to play it the right way. Very, very adventurous, entertaining football. I think there were good sides against Brentford. And they might fancy a real cracking night this weekend, this, this first
1: home game.
2: Because, Mark, it ah. looked like the Manchester United midfield could be played oh. through quite easily, didn't it?
1: Then I was just going to interrupt there and say exactly that. They were non-existent. Absolutely, totally non-existent, I mean that would be a real real worry um, f- forget about the, obviously with what happened in terms of should have been a penalty sending off whatever it is, the number of chances that Wolves created and they just ran at them through the midfield, they just sliced it open on probably what half a dozen occasions so that would be a massive worry to me um, the thing is obviously it, you know, Tottenham are at home um, does it mean Richarlison will lead the line? Probably yes um, I, think, I think it's a, a tough gig as well for the new manager who I thought was really outstanding at Celtic in the way that his players played. But I just think with Manchester United, they've still got a lot to do to convince me at the moment that they're going to finish in the top three or even maybe top four.
2: That penalty incident, a lot of angry Wolves fans as a result of it, though Leeds fans pointing out that in the first game of last season, the Wolves goalkeeper cleared out a Leeds player in very similar circumstances and no penalty was given. But did you think that that was immediately a penalty? And if it wasn't immediately a penalty, that it should have been given under VAR, Mark? Oh, 100%, Matt. Absolutely, 100%.
1: He just took the player out. I mean, you know, anywhere else on the pitch... It's straight away, it's a foul. It's just, I I just don't know what the referee was thinking about. No help from his assistants and VAR and everything. So just a really, really strange decision to have made. And of course, it's cost him from refereeing this weekend,
2: hasn't it? But Miguel. What can you do in a penalty area, it seems, that you're not allowed to do other areas of the pitch? Because there was even an argument earlier that Anthony, the the liability on the right wing for Manchester United, he had literally grappled a player to the ground in the run-up to a penalty kick. But has a penalty kick ever been awarded since the Ireland-Spain game in the World Cup in 2002 in similar circumstances? Can you engage in WWE before the corner comes in and actually feel that you're not going to be penalised for it?
0: Well, it was supposed to be one of the things they were looking at more, and I think there's you're right, there has been a few scattered examples. There's one I'm thinking of recently that was like uh, uh, Quinn and Hero, and, or just whichever one it was escapes me. But you're right in the sense that it's so striking when it actually happens. I mean, this I have to. I mean, this was an obvious penalty. There was some sort of language used immediately afterwards to explain it away. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was something about kind of a, an inevitable con- collision with the ball gone. But I mean, <laughs> he's just cleaned them out. I mean, but 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 the same logic as that. Any late challenge is just an inevitable collision in that way, um, and again, like I suppose, all this is summed up by the fact that this time it didn't even take a day or a week for an apology to go to Wolves. It was what within half an hour of the game ending. <laughs> but what, and as is often said in these situations, what's that going to get them? And while again, sometimes talk about referees goes too far. The acceptance of um, or there's not enough acceptance of kind of suppose the the elements of the job although VAR is supposed to help with that. But in a case like this, it does seem more influential than usual because, I mean, there's a big difference in terms of the tone of your season between a kind of a humdrum 1-0 defeat at Old Trafford where you feel like you've been done over uh, and... A one-all draw from a from a last-minute equaliser, a stoppage time equaliser, especially when there's been so much expectation that Wolves uh, go down. and I mean, that could be quite an influential decision okay. very early on in the season.
2: I'm not going to talk about Mason Greenwood tonight as we had a lengthy piece last night which is available on a podcast if people want to actually listen to that. But I want to talk to you, Mark, about Liverpool because have you got your midfield sorted out yet to make a push this season?
1: Um, well, he signed, a, I think he's signed today, hasn't he? The, the Japanese boy, that, that right, Miguel? I better than me, I've, yeah, I've yeah. not been on, on it yet, yeah, okay, so that's, so that's... It was confirmed oh. two hours ago, yeah, yeah. Right, so he's a holding, holding midfield player. Um, I still think they need another one, Matt, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, you, you, saw, you saw at the weekend that Gakpo, a good a player he is, he's, he's not a midfield player, and, and the other two boys as well who are, who are brand new, so that they're going to take a little bit of time to settle. I, I think it, it will improve them. Will it improve them good enough to really give Manchester City a run for the money? I doubt it. I don't see Liverpool finishing uh, above.
2: And, and, and Mark, given they have Taro Endo has come in from Stuttgart that deal for nineteen million, would you fear that they might lose Mo Salah to Saudi Arabia? I mean, he did not look happy when he was substituted in the draw at Chelsea last weekend.
1: No, and and I think the other thing about it, I don't know if you know, but I think I think his his is agents known as a little bit tricky and in inverted commas. Aren't they all? The, yeah, well, well, some are more tricky than, than others, Matt and. And I was wondering, I, I did something on Monday morning and I was just thinking look, they were out loud on the radio and saying, look, look, you know, if, if, if Mo Salah all of a sudden he starts to hear a noise from his, from his agent thinking I can go and play in Saudi, et cetera, that would be a worry. But I think that maybe Klopp sat him down, pacified him, et cetera, um, and they'll the be OK, um, hopefully.
2: Okay, we can't get across all the games because we're so busy today. But just briefly, Chelsea away at West Ham. And I just start with you briefly on this, Mark. I mean, how frustrated must David Moyes be then not being able to buy the players he wants? Extremely,
1: extremely, especially after what uh, they achieved. And obviously, he was was at the helm with that and they'd struggled for most of the season. Um, I don't really know. I've not spoken to him. I've I've left him alone. I don't really know what's going on. So we'll see.
2: On the other side, Chelsea finally weren't able to buy a player. Michael Elise started staying with Crystal Palace. Miguel, have we reached the end of this extraordinary purchase spree by Chelsea? And what sort of team do you expect out of it at the end? Now,
0: I would say no. I still think they're looking for a forward. I mean, that's why they were they were going for Olise in the first place because they want to add another uh, player like that. So they could still be busy there. Uh, as regards to what it's all going to look like at the end of this, I mean, we're, despite the fact we've had so much chaos at Chelsea, and a situation has been very hard to read. I think at the very least, and may, some of this might be um, almost kind of by accident rather than design, but they will have a young team that's quite well suited to Pochettino's running, and I think there were elements of the game against Liverpool that were impressive, that will yeah. improve as they go on. And there's a lot to be critical about with Chelsea at the moment, but there are elements that are encouraging as well, I have to say.
2: Okay, listen, I'm going to have to leave it there. Miguel, you stay with us, please, because I want to talk to you about the Women's World Cup final. Mark, thank you very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4:30. Today.